With the deep and personal integration of technology into daily existence, it is natural to ask the question, what is the role of women, the gender non-conforming, the femme, in relation to technological progress? Feminist theories of the relationship between gender and technology take diverse forms. Where liberal feminism conceived of this relationship as one lacking equality of access and opportunity, socialist and radical feminism looked at the gendered nature of technology itself. Although coming from fundamentally different perspectives, these early feminist analysis tended to generate a fatalism that emphasized the role of technology in reproducing patriarchy. Feminist waves might better be conceived as interacting sound waves. Sounds can be thought of as pressure and movement, doing cultural work. In the propagation of sound waves, the most audible impression may occur near the beginning of a sound's generation. But the wave reverberates through space indefinitely, continuing to intersect with and influence the trajectories of other sound waves as physical matter in ongoing interactions. The type of behavior that women should have is uh, silence. And, and complacence and just like just don't talk about it just take it it'll be over soon and just like be nice smile don't look like anything's going on you know hide, hide your your bruises it has been established that women played a major part in the early development of computers a story that is still emerging from the recesses of second world war history Women, and in particular, indigenous women, were amongst the first technologists. After all, women were the main gatherers, processors, and stores of plant food from earliest human times onward. It is therefore logical that they should be the ones who have invented the tools and methods involved in this work, such as the digging stick, the carrying sling, the reaping knife and sickle, pestles, pounders, and so on. I was looking um, online what the sort of origin of the word technology is, and so the Greek word techne means, uh, originally it meant art or craft, which I think is really interesting. Um, with technology, we have seen really a push for uh, masculine sort of developed technologies, where it's like, it's really, you know, like ARPANET, sort of the original internet was kind of came from this masculine practice of um, highly logic-based structures, whereas technology can be created in a more sort of like artistic, crafty sort of way, you know, tying back to this original sort of idea of the hunter-gatherer women who fashioned the first tools, you know. How can we think about these sort of, this audio culture and this gear culture which just tends to be very nerdy and like very 
um, male-centric, uh, how can we think about it in a way that's a bit more interesting, more nuanced, more based in other experiences than like white cis male experiences, which tend to be overly covered in articles and history books. The male orientation of most technological research has long obscured the significance of women's sphere inventions, and this in turn has served to reinforce the cultural stereotype of technology as an activity appropriate for men. Well, Mr. Bradshaw, what's on your mind? Bearings, Inspector. She's a good one, too. Just look at that record. Okay, now, Walt, you've had your little joke. Give her to somebody else. I ask for a man. We don't have a man with her qualifications. Seriously, Brad, if you treat her right, she might make you a darn good employee. What do you mean, treat her right? Get that chip off your shoulder. What's wrong with her? She's a woman, isn't she? Now, wait a minute. You got a lot of women in your department. What's wrong with one more? Did you ever hear of the straw that broke the camel's back? They're good workers, accurate, quick to catch mistakes, a lot of patience. Yeah, yeah, but that comes out of books. I work with them, mister. I know what happened. What does happen? Well, it's a long story. There might be in the history less women, but why is that? Is it because women didn't like it, or is it because they were constantly turned away, or constantly diverted to the more, like, women, women's sort of activities and roles, and not actually given access to information? As, as female students, we shared the same experiences that made us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And we started from there, and it was only after a while that we kind of realized that this has something to do with misogyny in general, and in particular with a very disturbed uh, relationship between, you know, gender and technology. It's totally uneasy, and it still is. Question. All these things you've been talking about, marriage, absenteeism, personality problems, aren't they really just a part of life? Part of a woman's life, maybe. But I can remember the good old days when there were all men in my department, and we didn't have these problems. You didn't have the production output you've got now either. Look, Brad, you've got a new bearings inspector who happens to be a woman. You need someone, and there isn't a man available. It seems to me that whether the gal adds up to trouble or not is pretty much up to you. Tara Rogers is somebody who does exceptional work in this, and she describes, she looks at the contributions of women that didn't get written into the history because they weren't considered, like, relevant enough, and she looks at these archives, and she looks at these letters that a bunch of women were writing, um, to this company called RCA who did like the first sort of commercially available synthesizers. And RCA was receiving at the time when they first sort of announced their like commercial synth, they received all these letters from young women and women of all ages being like, I'm super interested, I'd love to know more, where can I find out more? Um, but on the sort of public facing side of the marketing of these sort of synths, it was like, Okay, let's put it in like men's magazines and go to like tech fairs and and at the time like fi in the 1950s like 
Women who, was, who were interested in this didn't have an outlet where they could just go and find the information or like connect with peers because it's like, what are you doing in this like technology and like electronics class, the cooking class that way? Um, and so she, she describes that the main problem was that women were not interested in technology. There was no fertile ground for them to actually consider this as like a viable career or a viable interest for themselves. It was immediately this atmosphere which I would meet so often in the years later and in the decades later. You know, that the, the atmosphere around technology was making a mystery of technology, was kind of closing doors, was, you know, I'm not telling you how I do it, read the fucking manual. I had to learn it myself, so you learn it yourself. I did like a one-year sort of programming course at Concordia in the continuing education a long time ago, and I, I wasn't really sure if it was something that I was going to like or necessarily be good at, but I remember when I arrived the first day, and, um, you know, there were maybe like 25 people and maybe like five women out of them, and then there were all these guys, and they were all talking about their hard drives and like what kind of specs they had on their computers and stuff, and I was, I just felt like, oh, I don't know if I belong here, like, <laughs> I don't really know what they're talking about and stuff, and then kind of realized fairly quickly that, like, it didn't matter, and maybe they don't know what they're talking about either, so, um, yeah, I don't know, I guess that kind of helped me to, like, understand that, um, I don't know, everybody can learn about something, and Maybe they'll be good at it to some degree. Maybe they won't. But I'm I'm not really intimidated so much anymore by people that, you know, use a lot of technical talk or, um, yeah, try to mystify their processes or anything. Yes, women workers do present problems, Joan. It's tough, I know, but there are thousands of others just like you all over the country facing the same problems. Pretty generally, you'll all find about the same answers. Let's see. Those kinds of technical cultures which tend, I mean, I think that it's pretty obvious that these tend to be uh, overly male-dominated and the contributions of women are either not taken into account at all or the sort of way in which we write about technical women is like as exceptions, you know. It's never like there's, there's a bunch of women doing it. It's just like these exceptional, very unique women both gender and technological intelligence are coded, performative, imitative, stylized sets of acts that are naturalized through repetition. Society and technology work in the same way to transform the artificial into a mechanical function so smooth it seems organic, to the extent that gender itself is a technology. Here's to the ladies, the fair and the weak. Fair they are, we'll all admit. But who dares call them weak? Our modern girls play as hard and with as much vitality and stamina as any man. How do they do it? Where do they find all that energy? That seemingly inexhaustible store of pep and ginger? Is that whipcord resilience that lets the weaker sex play half the night, then bob up clear-eyed, ready for the next morning's work. 
This frail creature strikes her typewriter keys about 40,000 times a day, spaces 7,000 times, shifts to capitals and returns the carriage more than a thousand times each. Altogether, a few ounces at a time, she exerts more than five tons of pressure on her dainty fingertips in one day's work. And any way you look at it, women's work is not for sissies. Most men would have a hard time of it if they were to change jobs with wife, mother, or girlfriend. The homemaker walks miles every day, from sink to icebox, from cupboard to stove, and from kitchen to dining table. For whatever reason, technology is kind of more uh, masculine perceived socially, so there's less trust if you're a woman doing that kind of thing or working in that kind of fields. Um, so I feel sometimes like I, I get quizzed more than, than guys would about what they know. So um, definitely that informs my experience and also, you know, just, just feeling like um, maybe more sort of like emotional contributions or sort of creative contributions aren't worthwhile as well. It's very different in different countries. You know, in the former, former Eastern Bloc, it's very different. In, in, in countries like India, Malaysia, it's, an, it's a very different climate. Loads of women are doing that kind mm -hmm. of work. It's mainly, uh, uh, it seems to be mainly a problem of, of the Western world, that, that they, you know, or we, or whoever, <laughs> that we cannot, I mean, there is a tradition that... Uh, Technology is equaled with with manliness in a way, you mm -hmm. know. If you know to handle technology, that is cool. That makes you very male, and that obviously uh, causes problems for women who want to be good with technology, mm -hmm. real techies, because either they start to behaving like males in their social environments, or they are not taken serious. And take engineering, electrical, mechanical, most any kind. Think of what still can be done in the field of research. For new ways of doing things. For the generation of power, the distribution of power, and the design of new machines. Why, Mr. Adams, some of those large generators I've seen have the rhythm of music. Music, Alex? Do you like music? Alex was speaking about the music of machinery, Judy. Oh, I'm sorry, Dad. But I do like music. Very much. Swell. The records are right in the cabinet. Well, is it okay with you, sir? Sure, kids, go ahead. Well, thank you. There are contradictory opinions among women and individuals regarding gender in relation to electronic music. Some feel that gender has not played a memorable role in their artistic and professional experiences. Others argue that cultural ideas about gender significantly inform expectations about music and technical competence, dynamics of group improvisation, and even the timbral qualities of sound. Some feel women have been marginalized through biased media representations and employment discriminations. Others acknowledge that women can redirect these sexist stereotypes in their favor to capitalize on and as a tactic for career advancement. Some claim that women make music and communicate about technologies in ways that are essentially different from men and that these differences should be validated. 
Other experiences point towards the myriad configuration of sexed bodies and gendered identities, indicating that masculine gender identifications should be integral to theories of women's musical practices. Sometimes um, I make music that's way more like really intense, really dark, uh, really metallic, really intense, something that's been mostly attributed to men in the past. So uh, when I approach making uh, industrial techno and that kind of stuff, I really do feel uh, nervous about whether or not I'm allowed to be producing that kind of music and making those kinds of sounds because it doesn't feel like um, something that I was ever allowed or something that I come from, right? So this idea of, of describing women pioneering electronic music and pioneering audio technology has uh, been sort of either like, here's like 10 pioneers that, you know, have been the 10 people that we keep talking about, which are amazing 10 people, you know, Dahlia Derbyshire, um, the sort of pioneers. But then what ha ends up happening is kind of like we write about women as exceptions versus like there's all these other women also doing it. And like we want to open up the culture for more women to get into it. Artists are now adopting a wide range of strategies for addressing perceived gender issues in electronic music culture. Some choose to organize women and girls through community-oriented educational projects, attesting that music production is a way to gain confidence in their conceptual and technical abilities. Some prefer to avoid the discussion altogether, considering this to detract from the progress in gaining recognition as an artist rather than a marginalized individual. Many harbor conflicting feelings and adopt various strategies in different contexts, while others aspire to a gender-neutral artistic identity. Women are called upon to leave their homes and take jobs. Among our young unmarried women, and among older women whose children are grown, we have a large reserve. They discover that factory work is usually no more difficult than housework. Employers find that women can do many jobs as well as men. Some jobs better. I mean, when you're starting out, I think maybe women tend to shy away more from putting themselves out there and, um, you know, they, they kind of, there's this idea too that women often have to really like prove themselves in a, in a more serious way than men do right away when they're starting out, so. I can't type. I don't take dictation. I won't sharpen pencils. I can't file. My boss calls me indispensable. Miss Jones. Just a minute. As a woman, I feel like often people uh, will question whether I know what I'm doing or not and kind of mock me or try to like uh, intimidate me or try to make me feel like I'm not gonna be around very long. I don't know what this phenomena of dudes just being instantly more um, credible than women. That's what it seems like, right? There's like this idea of credibility, whereas if you're a guy who's working in music, you're just instantly credible, like, oh yeah, he totally knows what he's doing. Whereas if you're a woman, you have to prove like painstakingly, like through like your numbers and your plays for like years before anybody will take you seriously. So. I feel like a lot of people get away with a lot of uh, 
shitty behavior and shitty vibes because they're kind of following this like preconceived uh, package of how you're supposed to promote and what sells and what is like good for the biz, you know, but like I don't really care about what's good for the biz. I care about like people having a good time and for me to have a good time and for people to not get like you know, assaulted or, or made uncomfortable or violated or, or intimidated or humiliated because, like, I've seen that a lot. If a lot of promoters are men, then they're kind of keeping within their circles of, of friends and people that they know and stuff, so. I feel like a lot of women don't have the courage to confront men in the scene about this stuff because as soon as they open their mouth, they're gonna get dismissed and attacked and put aside. It's hard because I talk to a lot of like venue owners or promoters and I talk to them about the way I want to do things and they don't necessarily always agree. And they always kind of look at me like I'm probably being dramatic or something. There's like this dialogue of, oh, you have to book female artists, but um, for whatever reason, just that whole process isn't, uh, it's not organic and it's not fair yet. And I don't know what's going on there, but um, people are get, being given quotas now where it's like, okay, you have to book a quota of, of women artists. Um, and it just feels like really inauthentic a lot of the time. And, you know, it doesn't feel like um, these bookers are really able to get interested in, in women's music authentically. It's kind of just like um, very quota-based kind of um, curation, which I think is still a developing uh, issue. But uh, hopefully as, you know, more women become more well-known, we're all able to sort of bring each other into the spotlight and give a voice to each other. And then it becomes, you know, the process of curating uh, really strong women artists like becomes a lot easier once they're given a voice. There are a lot of, um, you know, different queer sort of organizers and feminist organizers that are just kind of doing their own thing, so not trying to struggle to be part of maybe a different scene, or but just building their own sort of communities. And Some artists work to delineate particular gender stereotypes that emerge in culturally specific music traditions. The joint operations of reductive and exoticizing racial, ethnic, and gendered stereotypes generates multiple layers of discrimination in media and professional contexts. From morning to night, we hustle through a very novel, interesting life. Not just classes and drill and duty, but all kinds of women's sports and recreation. We work hard and play hard. This particular scene, this sort of queer techno scene in Montreal, started out from queer parties, which were, you know, musically very diverse. It wasn't a crowd that was like very like elitist about the music, which I think in electronic music scenes tends to happen. Sometimes it's like the techno intelligentsia will judge your musical choices. But at these parties, it was it was kind of like, you know, do your thing and let's, you know, what whatever that is, just do it. And then I think the crowds and the DJs who were coming up at the same time, we all sort of got better at what we did together and sort of it created a musical scene from 
what was a sort of identity-based scene and then it, it became more and more about the music and more and more about the sort of like honing in on like the, the kinds of music that was being played and the techniques and like the just, you know, working almost like together or like growing together in this particular way, which I think like other people outside of it also saw and started getting attracted to that. So the sort of the sort of uh, popularity of the party grew as like because people were like okay the music here is actually super cool and interesting and I didn't think I would be interested in coming to a queer part quote unquote queer party so like a lot of people started coming to these parties. The term techno feminism is a concept linked to groups who are outward about their personal politics in relation to electronic music. They have formed in response to gender-based discrimination in various cities and thus in various contexts. These groups include disc women, intercessions, female pressure, siren, and salt and sass. They look to represent and showcase cis women, trans women, and genderqueer talent in electronic music highlighting the inequalities that women and marginalized individuals face in the scene, which is primarily whitewashed and male-dominant. There's things that, like, every promoter will be careful about, you know, like, making sure the place won't, like, burn down or people won't get, like, stabbed or something. But there's another aspect of, of it that I feel a lot of promoters just ignore. One being, like, yeah, like, sexual harassment. It makes them uncomfortable to confront men because often these men will become violent and want to like retaliate or they'll dismiss it. And then it's like you're put in a position where you have to pick a side and often more than not, they'll just decide to not pick a side and just let both people stay. And then the woman will have to leave, which is how it always is. And then there's also like racism and homophobia and like I've talked to a lot of venue owners or like other promoters and often, if not all the time, they're men and I tell them like, yeah, your parties have a lot of like homophobic people attend. I know because I've heard them say really homophobic things or I see them or experience them being really like inappropriate with women or myself. And they're like, oh no, like that doesn't happen. I'm like, it does. Like I'm telling you, it does. And they're like, oh no. And I'm just like, yeah, they just turned up and die. These groups look to share knowledge and experience while building an intersectional understanding of specific issues and approaches to working in electronic music and tech. Their work allows for intersectional advocacy that is powerful, necessary, and essential for creating movement. They place their political energy in electronic music in order to strive towards changes in booking, event safety, inclusivity, and payment equality. I think that to create more of like a healthy uh, community, we need to kind of bridge out a bit more and be more inclusive and more diverse and also just realize that like for some people it's a bit more complex uh like comfort is more complex because it involves a lot of discomforts i think it's really important that we just have a diverse range of people and a diverse range of thinkers and different sort of uh backgrounds and brain types working on the same problems because if we only have people who are um, 
you know, have math and science backgrounds working on certain problems, we're always going to end up with uh, solutions that are in line with that type of thinking. It's kind of messed up where every time I'm talking with an individual about why I promote and why I do things, it's like I have to tell them my whole life for them to understand why I care because apparently caring is like quite freakish. The idea of someone caring so much about diversity and like safe spaces is a freakish like you know they're like you know you calm down and I'm just like no like when I go out to parties when my friends go out to parties they have to deal with all these really screwed up situations that you don't have to deal with and I'm just trying to bring some change so that they don't feel that way I don't feel that way how is that wrong and how is that crazy and why do I have to tell you my whole life for you to understand why that would be important, you know? A very special thanks to Catherine, Leticia, Celeste, Karina, and Cornelia. This has been a production of the XX Files, made in residence at Studio XX 2017. Production mastered with Lander Audio. Lander Audio. Thank you.